We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Calkins as well. We are here for the super wild card weekend, six game mini main slate. Uh, TJ, the slate is small, but the selections are anything but because for the first time, we have 12 teams to choose from in the opening weekend of the football playoffs. Uh, are you pumped up for the small slate? Less to choose from than normal, but you know, maybe a little bit easier to find the off picks this week. What do you think? Oh, I, I'm a huge fan of this, man, and I, I'm actually going to be playing it uh, split up into Saturday and Sunday. I'm not sure if I'm going to play the six-game slate at all. Uh, my history was I kind of raked on the two-game slates. That was my thing, and when Showdown showed up, those you know, took a huge hit, prize pools and everything. You know, uh, my big 60K field bank was a two-game slate on a Christmas day. Uh, so... I, I'm more excited about the dual three game slates. You know, I, I love playoff football, so let's uh let's do this thing, man. Well, we're gonna roll through and just talk about all six games and you could talk about them however you want. Showdown style, two games to three games. Um I'm going to most likely play a cash uh, lineup in uh, in a six-game slate, and that's how I have my lineup currently constructed. And we will jump right in with the first game of the weekend, and as the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills, we got a 52-point total in this game. Josh Allen finished last week with 20 points in just half of a game, and that was on the heels of a 35- and 40-point game. Uh, prior to that, he's definitely in the conversation for NFL MVP after the season he's had. He's reasonably priced, in my opinion, 
at $7,500. He's my favorite quarterback of the entire weekend at that price because the Colts did not finish as strong on defense as they started. And uh, I, I also have to say, if you add in Steph Diggs, it's my favorite stack of this slate, TJ. Uh, Diggs, before I let you jump in, Diggs was a limited participant on Thursday with an oblique issue. But if you saw the video that came out about the entire Buffalo Bills team dancing at practice today, he was right in the middle of the group. Um, Josh Allen was throwing a little, you know, butt bop in there, a little interesting move by him. He finished, Steph Diggs, number three wide receiver on the season this year. They had a magical connection all year long and uh, like I said my favorite stack on a slate so talk to me about the passing game in Buffalo oh the passing game in Buffalo is it on this slate man this is this is exactly what it is it's what I'm here for obviously Diggs is something of a no-brainer as you mentioned but uh and I want to say it's essentially a certainty that he will play you know this isn't this is a yeah the probable tag doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, he's listed questionable. That, that's, that's what it is. He's going to play. What we don't know about is Cole Beasley. Uh, he, I think, is truly questionable. But we do know John Brown is back, though. So that brings up a, a secondary target, a double stack with Allen, kind of makes things fit better. So it, it brings a lot of options with stacking Allen, uh, either, you know, fade digs, play Smokey, play both, or, you know, one, just one or the other type thing. And if you look at the quarterbacks on the Saturday slate alone, you know, Brady's playing Washington, Russ is playing the Rams, and the rest of the quarterbacks are straight up garbage. So, I, I mean, unless you're, I truly think, unless you're actually going to go and play Wolford, like Josh Allen is your guy, and his ownership is going to reflect it. But I, I mean, there really is other, only ugly directions to go and otherwise. Yeah. Before we, you know, we'll get to that Rams game in a minute, but, um, Jared Goff did say that he is ready to play. So it is most likely you're going to get Goff in that game. Um, so I don't know if I'm touching the quarterback in the game, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, yeah, Beasley, questionable with a knee injury. Listen, Beasley, if he plays, would be nice. He's had He had two 30-point games this year and a 22-point game since week 10. I mean, he, he closed the season strong before getting the knee injury and being you know held out in the last week and not playing much. I don't have any interest in the running backs on the Buffalo side myself. Personally, I feel like that is going to be a 100% air show. Like you said, listen, some people might be brave and go for a very cheap $5,500 Phillip Rivers against the pass defense. That could be attacked, but I don't want anything to do with Phillip Rivers himself on the on the uh, Indianapolis side. I'm sure you don't as well. So let's just jump into the most important guy on the Colts side. And, of course, that is Jonathan Taylor. And if they want to keep pace – with the Buffalo Bills, and they need to slow this game down, and they need to try to give 30 carries again, which is what he had last week, for 253 yards and two touchdowns, uh, TJ. So do you see that kind of a game plan for Indianapolis to feed him once again just to maybe slow down that Buffalo offense and give themselves a chance to win? I mean, if we're talking game plan and he can make a perfect world, sure. You know, that's exactly what they want to do. Can they do it? Hell no. You know, I – I just don't think uh, the Indy defense, which isn't a pushover. I mean, they're fairly balanced, but beatable in the way this Buffalo team. I mean, they're scoring, what, 48 points a game the last three weeks. They're winning by 30 points a game the last three weeks. Uh, they haven't lost or they haven't had a margin of victory of less than 10 points since their, since their bye week. They are just steamrolling everyone right now. And it's the 
it's the team you don't want to play. It's the draw Indy didn't want. And, I mean, it's kind of brutal for them that Houston couldn't pull off that upset last week. So that said, uh, the, the game script for them is going to be a negative one, and that's really going to put a ding on Taylor. You know, you look at this late season stretch run, that game against Pittsburgh was not a good one, and that was a negative game script for them. Uh, he got bailed out on a fantasy on the fantasy side with two rushing touchdowns, but he, I believe he only had about 70 yards in that game. And I think we're, we should expect something similar in this one. And the sad thing for me is in a game stack perspective, I don't really trust any of those wide receivers. So now I, I, I find myself feeling that I have to play one of the running backs that I, in the league that I hate, <laughs> absolutely hate Naheem Hines. So I, I really am gravitating much more to Hines in this game than I am to Taylor. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, probably one of those wide receivers is going to hit in this game because they're going to be chasing. They're going to be throwing late. Um, but who is it? I don't know. Uh, all the tight ends are under $3,000, but they haven't been relevant in weeks. So you're not going back to that. Well, there are some tight ends I like on the overall slate. We'll get to a little bit later. So real quick, before we move on from this game, the Bills are favored by seven. The total is 52 TJ, what are you looking at on the gambling side of this game? Uh, you think that the Bills will just put up the numbers and cover the seven? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I wrote this game uh, on ussportsbonus.com. Uh, with it, the line was still six and a half when I wrote it, which is obviously far more attractive. Yeah, but uh, I would still play it at seven. Like I said, uh, it's been uh, two months since the Bills played a game that they didn't win by double digits, and I think that trend just simply continues here. Yeah, and I could see them hitting the 52 number easily, too, with the, yeah, with yeah, the Bills I mean, going up early and the Colts chasing. You're probably going to hit an over in this game. So, all right, let's head over to game two on a Saturday uh, slate, as as TJ likes the three-game slate. We got the Rams at 19.25 against the Hawks at 23.75, a 43-point total on this game. And I'll be honest with you, this game has the makings of a snooze fest for me. I have a feeling that this is going to be the ugliest game, uh, possibly, of the weekend. And uh, you wouldn't have thought that at the beginning of the year with the way that the Seattle offense started out and the way their defense started out. But it's been a complete flip-flop for this team this year. And the ever-overreactionary DraftKings salary makers have Tyler Lockett at $200 more than DK Metcalf this week because of a 14-target, 12-reception, two-touchdown game last week. But we still know who the alpha wide receiver in this offense is. But, TJ, for me, playing a cash lineup this week uh, with all six games, I'm really not interested in either wide receiver, but – Tell me what you're looking at on a, a tournament type of slate and uh, a smaller three-game version of the slate. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll mix in both Lockett and DK. And I, I don't think we've really discussed Lockett since back in Week 8. Uh, week 8, he was coming off that 56-point game, and we talked about how uh, he will just break a slate without rhyme or reason to it. It'll just show up. It happens. And we said, you know, it's going to happen again this year. And you just have to find the week. Well, you know, the week was last week. Will it happen again? Probably not. Could it? Sure. Uh, I, I think DK is still the better play, particularly at a cheaper price, which is, you know, pretty wild that he is priced under DK. I, I mean, DK has had a rough three-game stretch, don't get me wrong here, and he really didn't do anything against the Rams in that last matchup. But Seattle, Seattle, <clears throat> excuse me, as a team, they're pretty wild right now. 
they started this year with the dynamic offense and a secondary that couldn't cover anyone. And as the offense has progressively lost that dynamism, the defense has progressively gotten better and we're just getting uglier and uglier and uglier. And this Rams team is not much different. You know, there is absolutely no juice to that offense whatsoever. And that 20 to nine game we saw two weeks ago, I think that's a very good bar for this game and what to expect. And you said the level of ugliness to it. Well, I think you're hundred percent right there. Yeah. And with that, I'm not interested really in the the Seahawks running backs, um, you know, because we could see Carson, we could see Rashad Penny. I don't think it, you might not see Carlos Hyde, who didn't play last week, but we, we've seen so many different shenanigans back there with your, one of your favorite coaches in the NFL. So any well, interest in the Seahawks? Fresh legs now after a week off. Fresh legs. So Carlos Hyde it is. <laughs> the only – <Get> <laughs> No, it's Carson. It's Carson. If you're playing it back there, it's Carson. And this is from Penny Truther from way back. It's still Carson. If you um if you're gonna play the three game slate as TJ's playing, you're gonna need to start a tight end. Here's a punt play. Uh, Greg Olson is practicing in full. He's twenty five hundred dollars. He has experience, and I'm only saying this as a punt play because a guy with that level of experience is someone that the quarterback will probably trust, and the coach might even trust in a spot like this. And if you want to punt, it gives you room and freedom to use a lot of other salary. Elsewhere, I'm not lauding the play. I'm saying it's something that could could hit if you want to go in that direction. Uh, we mentioned that the Rams have uh, QB issues, and uh, they won with Wolford last week. But it does sound like Goff is uh, ready to suit up. Whether or not they feel like that's their best chance to win, um, they might keep him <laughs> from playing this week. But, TJ, I really am interested in Cam Akers at $5,100. He did not have a tremendous uh, yardage total game last week, but he stepped right back into the monster role, 21 carries, four receptions, uh, and I love him this week. He's he's in my cash lineup on, on the six games, and what are your feelings on Cam Akers stepping back this week? The price is absolutely right, and it, it, it's great to see, and you know, I know a lot of people really, really, really love Akers. I'm not among them. I, I think he's a fine player. You know, I don't think he's some uh, he's he's a world beater like Antonio Gibson is going to be in the future per se. But in this spot, he really is going to see the volume. And if they're going to be competitive in this game, I think they're going to have to feed him volume and shorten it in this ugly, ugly matchup. We talked about it. So those matchups tend to lend to running backs dominating the game, dominating the touches anyway, and just not a lot of fireworks. And I think Akers is the guy to play on the ramp side if you're going to play someone. Yeah, and I guess that that speaks to how you feel about the the Rams wide receivers. As we said, the Seahawks pass defense was just dreadful at the beginning of the year. So bad that they've been good lately and they still finished 28th against wide receivers. Um, That's how bad they were early in the year, but they were so terrible early in the year for them to actually not be the worst in the league should actually tell you how good they played down a stretch. You know, both Robert Woods at 6,200 and Cup off the COVID list at 6,000 are guys that are capable of of putting up a monster game, but I know neither you or I feel like that's going to happen in this spot. So here's a fun fact. Back in week 11 when both Woods and Cup hit that DK bonus, week 11 against Tampa, neither have had a DK bonus since. Wow. So there you go. I mean, it's been it's been it's been an ugly offense 
over there in, in LA since that time. All right, TJ, uh, the Hawks have to cover 4.5 in this game and a total of 43. What are you thinking? Uh, again, this is another game I wrote. Uh, it was day and a half ago. The line was three and a half at the time, but I love Seattle in this game. Uh, I mentioned the 20 to nine uh, previous outcome. I, and I think that's a completely reasonable and realistic expectation. And I, I, I think that's the way to go with Seattle. All right, let's close out Saturday's games with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers having to go on the road to play the 7-9 and nine Washington football team. we got a 45.5 total in this game. The Tampa, Buc- Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass offense is exactly where they have wanted it to be all season, heading into Tom Brady's season. He passed for 390, 348, and 399 the last three weeks, and he did not finish. Uh, two of those games. I don't believe he played complete games today. He is uh, he finished with back-to-back four touchdown games as well. He looks like he's in his prime. He's in at $6,900. Um, I think we both like uh, Josh Allen better, but you know, if you were going to make a couple of lineups this weekend, is Tom Brady somebody in the playoffs that gets you excited? Honestly, I might be more interested in Russ than Brady, and I know that's kind of a hot take. But uh, Brady has looked great, sure. Uh, last three matchups to close out the year, Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta, uh, Minnesota before that. So not exactly teams that are going to put a hurting on a quarterback. Now, I mean, obviously Brady is no stranger to cold weather. We know this. Antonio Brown isn't a stranger to cold weather. He played in Pittsburgh. Goblin, same way. Uh, you know, played at Penn State. But this is the first time this warm weather team is going to be going and playing outdoors and the temperature around game time is going to be 35 degrees. There's not going to be any elements involved. But I do think the thin blood, it it, it is a thing. You know, I have buddies that move south and move back. They they couldn't function in cold weather. So, you know, this happens. And I I do think that's a big factor in the game, not to mention the Washington defense is truly playing at an elite level. Uh, they haven't allowed more than 20 points in something like six games. And so this is all opponents. They also haven't lost a game by more than a score since week five. So this is a team that stays competitive, keeps games low scoring, and that's just not a recipe for fantasy success for Brady and company, or anyone on the Bucks for that matter. And I have the game at an eight-point uh, eight spread. You know, for the Bucks to, to give up eight. So, for you pointing out they have lost by more than a score, then I guess you would lean Washington football team with the points here. Um, so you, you said you, you don't you're not too excited about anybody on the Tampa side. Uh, Mike Evans, we saw the injury last week. We don't need to rehash that, but he is participating in walkthroughs, and there is a good chance he's going to suit up. But we have seen the Mike Evans decoy games before, and I don't I don't recommend you thinking it's a smart play or a sneaky play this week, I would leave him off. Um, TJ's typically been more Godwin over anybody, but he's priced up to 7000 this week. If you're going to go with a Tampa wide receiver, uh, $6,100, I would lean more AB, but maybe Gronk at 4000 uh, who we know has had the playoff connection before with Tom Brady. Uh, that wraps up. Uh, I, I, well, let's talk about the running backs. I'm not interested in running backs myself, but uh, – any interest in Ronald Jones? I didn't even write him down. That's how uninterested I am. I mean, I, I'm not disinterested in him. Uh, you know, like you said, I think this is going to be a slower, uglier type of game than 
most are expecting. I'm seeing people excited about the Bucks' offense in this game, and I'm just not there. You know, I, I'm just not sure they're going to have the passing success they think they're going to have. You know, and my God, is Chase Young the real deal or what? Like, that dude is it, and he's doing it, and he's going to be in Brady's face, and he hasn't had to deal with that over the you know, over the course of the season, essentially, but certainly not over the last month. So, I mean, Rojo could truly get some volume and be okay there. I mean, if they're leading, what, 17-10 for the majority of the game, 10-3, then 17-10, something like that, we can just see an awful lot of Rojo. You mentioned the receivers. I agree A-B is the best value play. I think Godwin is the best gross points projected play. Uh, I, I think you should probably have one of them in most lineups. There's just not a lot of attractive receiver plays on the slate, and even with the ugliness projected in this game, some target volume will create points for the Tampa receivers. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to play Brady with them, and quite the opposite, really. So uh, I think that's where I'm at completely on the Tampa side. You know, I'm glad you brought up Chase Young because uh, and, and our usual third a member of the team, Matt Jones, the Giants fan, is not with us tonight. And I want to say to any Giant fans who tune in and listen, you're so upset with Philadelphia, um, basically pulling starters out and, and throwing that game. Well, if you would have done the smart thing last year, guess who would be on your team? Chase Young, because you won a very meaningless, useless game in week 16 last year against Washington that gave Washington Chase Young. So sometimes it's okay to lose when your team is not going to benefit this year from it at all. So um, I was ugly. It wasn't fun to watch, but they really didn't owe the Giants anything, in my opinion. That, that's my opinion on that. We could do a whole other podcast. You I mean, know, if I'm a GM, if I'm a team president, and you're in a situation like the Jets were in, like the Jets giving up, Lawrence, giving up 101 this year, I'm saying I don't care if I get find a third rounder next year. We need this top pick. If you win this game, I'm going to fire you and go after your paychecks for cause, okay? So, you know, I just don't understand what goes through these teams' head when they win these games and cost themselves in the long term. It, it makes zero sense. Yeah, it's tough to make players not play, right? You understand the players – wanted to go out there and a not putting themselves in a position to get injured because you can't just, you know, be lax on the field. And we've seen that before. And, um, you know, they do have pride, but you know, be smart, <laughs> put yourself in a position where the players don't have to make that decision. Like Peterson did. I mean, take the heat. I, I think he did the right thing for the franchise, which, you know, what did they move up? Nine slots in every round? Uh, Is no. that there was going to be the nine pick and they end up with the six pick and at least okay. the fourth round. So when you're talking about top 10 picks and number six picks, that could be a huge franchise changing difference. Like James Young was a year ago. I mean, you can trade that for at least a third rounder. You can gain a third rounder by losing that game. Yep. You know, if you go from so, and that's, that's bare minimum pricing. So let's talk quickly about Washington before we move out of this game. Alex Smith, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin, all listed as questionable. I expect all three to play. Um, I don't know that I love McLaurin this week. I think my favorite plays on the Washington side are Antonio Gibson at 5,700 and Logan Thomas at 4,900. He finished the year as the number four overall tight end, and he has had a really solid second half of the year. So in my opinion, he might even be the best play overall on the Washington side this week. TJ, what are your feelings on the football team? This is such a Saletto week for Washington. <laughs> I, 
it's not even Gibson for me. It's Thomas and McKissick. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's like a brutal game, right? Yeah, <laughs> Sal just fell out of his chair. If you're not watching, <laughs> so I mean, while I think this game will be competitive and be close, I just have a hard time projecting Washington to be leading or winning. And when that's not the case, McKissick is always in, in there running those routes, and the price is right for him. And I think Thomas is something of a sure thing. And I don't care about the gap in tight end pricing. You can make fantastic lineups fit with Thomas. So, I mean, just go ahead and unload on him, play the hell out of him, but also play McKissick. And I think that's it, man. I am. Matt Jones, may you rest silently tonight, sir. TJ Calkins has finally come over to the dark side. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, TJ, before we move on, um, you, we, we we expect Washington to stay within the point total in this game, the spread in this game. And I do you, do you see it going over 45 and a half? I don't. I don't. If I had to play this total, I would take the under 100%. I mean, granted, I don't have to, so I'm not. <laughs> you know, if you force me to pick a side, it would easily be yeah. the under. Don't ever feel forced there at home to make a pick. Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's b whustle.com slash join and uh we have bean 82 or 824 ever he doesn't have a podcast so um you don't need this service buddy but um betonline.com has been a great sponsor all year so go and support betonline <laughs> betonlinesports.com all right tj let's jump into the sunday slate and we kick off with the Eight and eight Chicago Bears. You know, for all the talk about people being annoyed that a seven and nine team or possibly a six and ten team was going to get in there from the NFC East, there was only two other teams in the entire conference that were eight and eight. Everybody else was seven and nine or lower. But the Bears sneak in and they take on the Saints in New Orleans at 48 point total. I tell you, if you're going to play a three game slate each day, tell me. How interesting is the $12,100 stack of Drew Brees and the activated off the IR list Michael Thomas uh, in this game, TJ? Man, it's insanely interesting. And, you know, we've been just like, oh, okay, MT's out. Just play Kamara, play Kamara. Well, you know, MT's back now. And <laughs> as you mentioned, the price is just insanely friendly. You know, it, it's just too much. I mean, it's an imperfect matchup. 
But you know what? There's not a whole lot of different directions to go on Sunday, in my opinion. Uh, well, I'll just stick with this game for now. I think the defensive side of the ball for New Orleans is the exact defense you would want to build to stop this current, uh, I'm using air quotes, surging uh, Chicago offense. I mean, they'll definitely stop backs. They'll uh, they'll get pressure on a terrible quarterback. And I, I just think they're going to play comfortably from ahead. So I don't see anything resembling shootout here. And if I had to play, uh, make a play on this game, I'd be taking the under as well. And Chicago's defense is far from a pushover. I think I'd easily call them a top 10 unit in the league. And I think we see something along the lines of 24 to 13 here. So we're not going to have fireworks. And I don't think you're going to have more than one player on the New Orleans side smash. So while I'm more interested in Thomas and Breeze, I truly understand the stack. Yeah, and we are recording this uh, Thursday night this week. We normally record on Wednesdays, but we're doing it on Thursday night. So if you're hearing this on Friday morning or early Saturday before you kick off, 8.30 on Thursday night, Alvin Kamara put out a tweet that said, I'll see you Sunday. So he's playing. Uh, Sneaky Latavius Murray, 4,500, probably not going to be uh, what we had hoped if Kamara couldn't play. But they they specifically – the NFL made sure the Saints played on Sunday because if they would have played on Saturday, there was some real – possibilities that Kamara would have missed. And we know the NFL does what they need to do to get their superstars on the field. They're not dumb. The Browns snuck into Sunday too. We'll get there, but you know. <laughs> yes. Oh boy. What a mess it's been over there. And you know, you mentioned the surging bears offense and David Montgomery and, and the role that he's got. I like, I agree with you. I believe that role is going to absolutely continue from a touch standpoint. I just don't know that he's going to get what he needs to help you win uh, a slate this week. Uh, A-Rob did not practice on Thursday with a hamstring issue. Mooney is injured and not practicing either. And that's why, TJ, I feel the best Saturday, it's the best Sunday value on on a slate at tight end is Cole Komet again at 3,000. He saw eight targets last week. He caught seven of them. I know Jimmy Graham, that bastard, sneaks in and catches touchdowns here and there. But, again, if you want to go real cheap and leave yourself with some flexibility, Cole Komet, three grand is really interesting. And you've been a Comet guy in the past. What are you feeling? Well, you know, I, I wanted it to happen just because, you know, not Jimmy Graham happening is always good. But, I, I mean, on those targets, on those catches, he had, what, 10 points last week? You know, it, it, it was just essentially insignificant. And that tight end problem New Orleans had early in the season, that's kind of been shored up. You know, they haven't I don't believe they've given up a big game to a tight end in the second half of the season. I could be have something egregious slipping my mind here. I just don't believe it's happened. So, I honestly, I, I think the Saints D is a fantastic play, and this banged-up, Trubisky-led version that's actually going to have a difficult matchup for the first time in a long time, uh, it's like a bad version of the Bucks <laughs> this week. You know, So... It, the Bears are ugly, so, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to play anyone on that side of the ball. Yeah, I could not blame you there. And with, and with all the excitement of moving into these games, I actually went to the uh, the afternoon game, the later in the afternoon game, before I went to the first game of the Sunday slate. And the first game on Sunday is, of course, the highest total game projected on a slate, and that is the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans, and they are at 55 total points there's a lot of weapons to like 
in this game. Lamar Jackson comes in at $7,800. He's the first quarterback in NFL history to have back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, which separates him from a lot of people instantly when you put him into your lineup. Um, But the Ravens on a whole, they had the COVID issues early and they really struggled, but the Ravens have been surging in the last few weeks and they've gotten certain weapons that we hoped would have kicked in a lot earlier in the year back going uh, Dobbins at $6,600. He's still not seeing, you know, alpha duty uh, carries. He only had 13, but he put up 160 and two touchdowns last week. This is a defense you could absolutely run all over. And Hollywood Brown, who murdered me in season-long leagues, only to watch him go off in the playoffs of those leagues, had six touchdowns over the last six weeks. And he's reasonably priced at 5400 TJ. How do you see the Baltimore game playing out? Because I think it's going to be a run-heavy game for Baltimore personally because they want to keep that other big monster from the other side off the field. I mean, that would be prudent. Uh, man, I, I'll tell you what, just watching the, my playoff drafts and how they unfold and just kind of taking the temperature, people are excited to draft and play Ravens this week. And I have at least a two-game sample from this season and last year's playoff game that the Titans are the Lamar and Baltimore kryptonite now. Lamar was god-awful hideous in that playoff game. Granted, his numbers got gaudy at the end just because he had, what, two and a half quarters of garbage. But if you look at this season, Tennessee did not (laughs) – Tennessee, every single quarterback that finished a game against them threw for over 200 yards except for one, and that was Lamar Jackson. He only managed 186 yards, and I believe Tennessee is far more exploitable through the air than they are on the ground. I think if you could, if they focus on a run game, they can stop it. If they try to focus on a pass game, they can't stop it. And if that pass game's competent, which, I mean, it's completely hit or miss with uh, Lamar and the Ravens, it, it, it's not going to be pretty for them. Now, on the other hand, Tennessee beat them already this year. They beat them in Baltimore in the playoffs last year. They beat them in Baltimore this year. Now they get a playoff game uh, in Tennessee. And as far as offenses go for this Baltimore defense, they played a competent Cleveland team four weeks ago, gave up 42 points. Uh, The rest of the schedule over the past month and a half, Cincinnati, Giants, Jaguars, Cowboys. And then if you go before that, Tennessee, New England, Indy, uh, Pittsburgh, they lost three out of those four games. So this is just kind of a – this year, we've seen schedule uh, little blocks of a schedule that are favorable or unfavorable just make the perception of a team go too far up or too far down. I think Baltimore is one of those teams that their perception is too far down right now. or I'm sorry, too far up. They're not quite as good, and I don't believe they should be favored in this game. And it's why I'm a little bit interested in the passing game, uh, the, the pass catchers. Uh, I'm, I don't think I'm going to pay up for Lamar, which obviously could haunt me. But uh, Andrews first, Hollywood second, and other than that, man, I, I'm just going to play Henry. I think he's going to control this game. I think Tennessee's going to do what they want, as they've done against Baltimore in the past. Yeah, it's a three-and-a-half-point three spread, as I have it, in front of me on the road uh, for Baltimore. I agree with you. Uh, seems like, you know, 
that's that's a bit much. Tennessee could play. Tennessee could score, as you said. And the thing that worries me with uh, back like Dobbins, as I mentioned earlier, for 6,600, you know, Gus Edwards got only one less carry last week and got a target. So same amount of of uh, of play there. And and Ingram was back and played and got nine carries. It's I'm not saying, hey, play one of those guys. What I'm saying is it screws up Dobbins' value at 6,600. You could go get a guy. If you're going to do the full slate, you get a guy like Cam Akers for 5,100. Um, so yeah, well, let's jump over to the Tennessee side. That's feels so warm. It's, it feels so warm to hear you say that, TJ. I gotta tell you, um, you know, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter or you play in any leagues that you know for years, I owned or uh, um, Derrick Henry in every startup I ever did. He's just one of my all time favorite players. I had to move him in a couple leagues this year where I wasn't competing, and it just made sense for me because he's got. You know, this value is the value is never going to be as high as it is in these moments, but it's just a player I love to watch. And I have a feeling that Baltimore is going to put every ounce of what they have into stopping him this week. Now, that doesn't mean he can't bowl them over, run them over, and do what he has to do. But if that narrative plays out, uh, that means AJ Brown becomes that much more attractive. In this game, and at seventy one hundred dollars, AJ Brown had a really nice season for a guy who only managed to play fourteen games. I think he still put up over a hundred receptions and I'm sorry, a thousand yards rather, and and eleven touchdowns. Ten for one fifty one and one last week when it mattered the most. TJ, I know you want to just play Henry, but could you see a possibility where hey they decide to switch the game plan up even and, and attack them? through the air, kind of just to throw off the Baltimore defense. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I could see it, and especially if the game script doesn't go favorably for them, uh, that'll be a big difference. But if we look back at that uh, that win in Baltimore, uh, Corey Davis actually had a bigger game than A.J. Brown. I believe they both scored. And uh, I'm 99% certain Davis had the bonus in that game. And I just feel like he's a more favorably priced player. Obviously, he's not nearly the uh, – he, he's not as good of a football player as A.J. Brown. It's not necessarily close. But uh, for the pricing and points per dollar, I think uh, Corey Davis is easily the better play over A.J. Brown. I know we didn't jump into the Browns and Steelers yet, uh, but I want to bring up Janu Smith. Uh, you brought up Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is $5,200. So uh, Cole Komet I brought up when we talked about the Bears game. We didn't discuss Jared Cook, who's obviously always a, a good target, but um, who's your favorite tight end value on the Sunday slate if you're doing a separate three-game Sunday slate? Let's just say it's in the late game, and uh, we haven't gotten there yet. Let's jump into it. Right? Let's get to it. Let's get Well, tell me who's going to win. Uh, you, you feel like you would take the Titans because the points on the road with the Ravens. You don't think the Ravens are the team that they've looked like over the last few weeks based on the competition that they face. So the number I would say, I think 55 is is, is something that could be hit because I think both teams are going to score. So uh, if I force you to pick over or under in this game? Under. All right. We've got an under 55, which, again, could still be plenty of points because if it just hits 50, we're having a nice sure. game. All right. So – TJ, your Cleveland Browns in the playoffs for the first time since uh, you might have had pubic hair. Um, <laughs> they are, they are, 
man. <laughs> I'm old, man. <laughs> I know, but it's been a long time. We got a 46.5 total in this game. If there's any game that I want to see an upset in <laughs> on this weekend, it's this game. I can I cannot tell you as a guy who has no a dog in his fight. My least favorite team in the NFL is the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, it's just my least favorite team in the NFL. It's just the way it is. I like players on the team. I just don't. I don't like the team. I really don't like Ben Roethlisberger. So if you're listening to this, you know, go screw this guy. I just don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I think he's a shitty human being. But anyway, um, why are you forcing your takes on us? So I think you're forcing them up. I'm sorry. These are my beliefs. We're not asking you to believe them. This is my body, and I don't appreciate you forcing Roethlisberger on me. Okay, we're going to need to check over here when you get a minute. <laughs> All right, TJ, let's start with the Steelers before we get to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, let's focus on the wide receivers. I don't think there's anything else on the Steelers' side you're going to want to touch in this game. And let's just get into uh, – if you've listened to the show throughout the year, you know TJ's feelings on Deontay Johnson. The targets have remained solid throughout the entire year. His role is – what his role is. He comes in at $6,200. Um, Chase Claypool, we saw them different quarterback last week, but go back to going down the field to Chase Claypool, which we hadn't seen in quite some weeks. I mean, he saw 11 targets last week. Um, he also led this team with 11 receiving touchdowns this year. He had 13 overall if you add in the two rushing touchdowns. He comes in at $5,200, $1,000 cheaper um, TJ, what are your feelings between those two uh, tight ends? I know you're not a big Juju guy, but I'll get to Juju in a second after we talk about this. Well, I mean, just going back to your initial points, uh, yeah, yes, the Steelers are the least likable team in the league. I'm a Browns fan. That's, I mean, that, that goes without saying. Uh, as far as the players, yes, you know, I absolutely love Deontay. I continue to love Deontay. And the only reason I would play a Saturday-Sunday slate, I believe, is to play him. Um, I mentioned the pass catchers. Ebron, I think, is the best value tight end player on the slate. Uh, his role has been consistent. I hope DraftKings continues to list him out for as long as possible <laughs> because he, as of the time of this recording, is continued to be listed out. So let these lineups be made without Ebron. When he hits, I think ownership will be a smash if that continues. Uh, eventually, they're going to show that he's in because he's been activated off the COVID list. Uh, if I had to put uh, strength to play on Steelers pass catchers in order, it would be Deontay, Ebron, Juju, then Claypool. Yeah, and he and Ebron has been activated. Uh, but hopefully, like TJ saying, just you guys here listening to the show are paying attention to that and the people you're going up against aren't. Um, you know, I like I like Claypool. I think he's a little bit cheaper this week. I would probably go that direction. But let's let's talk about Juju. Um 5,500, he ended up with 97 receptions this year for basically like five yards. Um, he did have nine receiving touchdowns. But, you know, this guy, and I want to ask you this as a Cleveland Brown fan, he he made news dancing all over logos this year and got wrecked in a game as a result of it. He put out a statement today. I think they're still the Browns teams I play every year. Um, I think they're nameless gray faces. They have a couple of good players on the team, but at the end of the day, I don't know. The Browns is the Browns. So first of all, here he is putting a target squarely on his back again uh, after his team coach, whatever, stepped up and asked him to cut the BS out. How does that make you feel 
just in general and then as a Cleveland Browns fan? Well, I mean, it, it's difficult to get too riled up because the Browns are going to get smoked in this game. I hate to say it. You know, we haven't talked about the COVID situation, but we're without our head coach, Stefanski. We're without our best offensive lineman in Betonio. And it, it's going to hurt the run game, pass game, and the offense just isn't going to be able to keep up. Our secondary can't stop anyone. I mean, you know, we, we didn't talk about Connor on the Pittsburgh side. He's so favorably priced at 5000 I, I think he's also a phenomenal play. Uh, how it makes me feel? I mean, I, do I get mad about it? No. I mean, he's proven he's probably not the sharpest knife in the drawer, you know. I don't know. He's seen what can happen with a helmet in these games, so maybe he should be careful with what he says. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he's just, I don't know, let's just say he's an idiot, but he's probably right for the time being. Yeah, and it, it disappoints me to hear that too because uh, if, if, if Karma could just show up this week, please, Karma, and and let these Cleveland Browns uh, find a way to get it done. But <clears throat> they're facing a really good defense. There's no other way of saying it. The, the, the Steelers are good against pretty much everything. They haven't been as good lately, right? Um, but I, I have a lineup put together, and in order to fit in some of the bigger names that I want to get in there, like that Josh Allen, dig stack, like um, some of the bigger priced running backs, I had to slip. Rashad Higgins in there uh, at 4,100 because, you know, I figured they'll be chasing. It's it's the dot throw to fill some of the, you know, bigger names into my lineup. But just talk to me on the Cleveland side because there's not a whole lot, in my opinion, to like. We know what Chubb is. Chubb's at 6,700. But is this a Chubb week? No, I, I think we have to be leading and probably competitive in the game. Um, he, I just don't see a path to the volume needed uh, for Chubb. I don't see the defense playing well enough to make that path possible. You know, I think it comes down to the defense, not not necessarily the offense and missing Petonio. I mean, it's it, it truly is a massive blow. Um, if I had to pick a Browns player that I wanted to play, it would be Landry. It wouldn't be Higgins, but there, there's not a whole lot to love. But yeah, Landry would be first on the list. And I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm trying to get a cheaper receiver in there, but I don't know that Higgins would be the path I take there. Well, that's why I tune into the show every week. So I get that advice from you and I can go back and rework that lineup. You know, I worked that lineup on a Monday, Tuesday this week, and I got to, you know, fine tune it as they get into the weekend with the, with TJ's uh, help. So TJ, Saturday, I think you're saying that you expect the Steelers to cover the four points in this game. Uh, tell me what you think. Can, it, can this game get over 46 and a half? I wrote that they covered six, so yeah, definitely cover four, and uh, I think it goes over. I think Pittsburgh goes over 30 points. I mean, the, oh, it's sad to say, but the, the Browns secondary is a freaking joke, and Deontay and whoever else. I mean, it, it's just going to be who the right target goes to. I mean, <laughs> you could see two or three smashes in this game, and I absolutely love Roethlisberger. He's my favorite quarterback play on Sunday. Never say Roethlisberger in favor, my friend, or else we can't do the show anymore. <laughs> I, I hate the guy. You hit the nail on the head with him being a scumbag. but Yeah, you know, money's money. I get it. <laughs> We're here to win. We don't bring emotions into fantasy sports. <laughs> All right, TJ, anything, uh, anything else you want to say to wrap up this slate before we 
we sail off into week two next week. No, I, I think we I think we hit everything. If we didn't, uh, tell us what we missed on Twitter. But uh, otherwise, let's make some buckies this week. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the On a Daily DFS podcast. This has been uh, at Salito FF and at TJ Calkins. And we will be back for week two of the playoffs. And we'll probably maybe maybe we'll focus a little bit more on a uh, showdown type of slate next week. But TJ likes those two-game slates. He's made money on those as well. So we'll just take it. We'll go through all the games. We'll go through all the best players every week. We'll see you next week. And hopefully when we see you, we see you in the green. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.